Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Okay, so welcome to a special edition of The Big Interview. My name is Martin Gregg and today I'm joined by the host of The Big Interview, Graham Hunter. I think we should maybe start by talking about Real Madrid, who way back in February lost 2-1 to Man City and the Bernabeu on February the 26th. I think people need a little refresher course. I certainly do. Let's just wrap up what happened in that first leg game. Isco opens the scoring, then we have a crazy last 12 minutes to the match. De Bruyne crosses for Jesus to score and people might remember there was a bit of debate about whether he had pushed Ramos before scoring that header. Four minutes later, Sterling skins Carvajal who brings him down for a penalty from which De Bruyne scores. Then Ramos is sent off with four minutes left for pulling back Jesus. So since that night, they won the Classical the following week and then they lost their last game before lockdown 2-1 to Betis. After the restart in June, 10 wins and one draw takes them to the title by five points from Barcelona. So that's their first championship in three years after back-to-back Barcelona titles you know the aftermath of that tie what were you thinking at that point and then given the ensuing months how do you think the complexion of that tie sits now I remember speaking a lot to uh, the Athletics uh, City correspondent Sam Lee and also to a friend of mine who's a devoted City fan and and ex-musical accompanist for Paul Weller uh, Morning Ace and um I, I suggested that City had every chance of going to Madrid and drawing or winning because they, they were a strange beast in uh, February, Martin. They, they were, it was hard to predict what kind of um, Madrid you were going to get. It, it, they still hadn't established the, per, the personality that would win them the title, which was far more blue-collar work in midfield, conceding far fewer goals. The ruthless determination that they've shown since in the league about when whether we're playing well or average or badly Benzema was in the middle of a spell of of still putting in the same effort and the, the key thing was I think that City saw a Real Madrid side that they could bob and weave and draw out of position and force into making mistakes. And and on the night, I was at Bernabeu that night, and I thought that Real Madrid, for the majority of the match, gave a performance which probably merited not losing, which probably merited another goal. The way they created uh, the goal that Isco scored, I think, has some resonance for what's coming up in that Vinicius has matured. Vinicius's use of the ball is significantly better. Um, he's a powerful footballer. By no means at all is he the finished article. But on his day, he'll test any defence. There are few like him in the Premier League. Uh, one or two, but few. And on the night, I thought that um, until, well, let's call it the last 15, 20 minutes, when City's plan, which they stuck to so intelligently, so rigidly, 
and Cities uh, Killer Fitness, where they were far sharper mentally and and even athletically in the last twenty minutes. Hence the the misjudgment uh, that Ramos made. He definitely got a shove for the for the headed goal. But football's like that. If you can, if you're a little Brazilian and you can shove one of the big beasts of Spanish football and get away with it, and uh, the referee who was uh, an Italian or Sato on the night doesn't notice, then fair play. That's what football's made of. As far as the penalty, it was clear cut, and Carvajal hasn't made a mistake anything like that for the remainder of the season. In 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 surging on between then and now to win the title, uh, this has been one of the most blue collar Los Blancos that I can remember. They work hugely hard. They're, they're the side where, uh, which in Spain conceded the least number of goals in chances where the opposition had built the play up to the final third. So in 96% of the cases in the remainder of La Liga, when an opposition team had built its way or broken its way up to the final third of the pitch, the danger area for Real Madrid, and on 96.7, of the times, Real Madrid somehow a tackle, a block, a, a, a rob, a save, um, it also a shot wide. The goal chance was avoided. Now, that wasn't the Real Madrid we were looking at in, uh, let's say, midwinter. I think that gradually uh, the, the fitness work of uh, Gregory Dupont, who was fitness coach on the Deschamps in France when the World Cup also had a long time at uh, Lille. Gradually that's worked. Benzema has had a final third of the season just to dream of, either with assists, with creative running or goals. He has looked as as attractive a footballer, as clever a footballer as at almost any stage in his career. He very nearly caught Messi for the Pichichi, the, goals, the top goal scorer in La Liga. And therefore... Um, I think that it's a different Real Madrid. Not only have they got that champion feeling, they've had eight days off until, um, you know, you and I are talking, Martin, in the middle of the week prior to uh, the second leg. And Real Madrid, I, I interviewed uh, Eden Hazard yesterday. He just had his, um, his nose swab test for COVID. Each of the squad will, will be tested because they have been away on their own trying to, to stay uh, virus-free um, for the eight days that they'd really needed off. And it's key to say that um, although City went through a, a hectic spell domestically where their um, results were distinctly up and down, uh, at verging on, you know, from the ranging from the, the powerful and dismissive and fluent and dangerous that makes them look like potential European champions, to the utterly bizarre if you look at some of the games that they lost and the ways and manners in which they lost. So uh, I would have said that this tie brings to a, a Spanish champion which desperately needed the rest. Um, they were undoubtedly getting through games, but which now is mentally, physically, strategically in far better shape than they were in February. If they hadn't given themselves a, a one-two deficit to take to, to Manchester, then I'd have been saying, I think Real Madrid can do it. And the crucial factor for me is that while he was uh, rampaging Real Madrid from a points deficit to Barcelona when the, the La Liga restarted in June 12th, 
until they became champions with one match remaining. Ramos was exceptional. Exceptional in every sense. Exceptional in the risks he took, exceptional in the goals he scored, exceptional in the way that he tucked away penalty after penalty. He was Real Madrid's leading scorer um, from restart to, to championship. In my view, was exceptional in the amount of luck he got in that a couple of times he should have been very clearly sent off. He what a penalty that I dispute was a penalty. And I'm not sure that what we're talking about in, in the domestic context, Martin, was bias. It's just that things happen around uh, Sergio Ramos. And I think that sometimes he intimidates uh, defenders, teammates, referees into doing something that perhaps subconsciously they know they shouldn't. Or he inspires teammates and he has this coruscating, all-encompassing will to win that, you know, for good or bad, and there were incidents between restart and, and title where Ramos got away with stuff. But if you could have him in your team, you would. He is a force of nature. He remains in extraordinary condition. And therefore, the point that he's going to be uh, suspended for the second leg is heavily against Real Madrid. Militao has come in and played. He, he, Militao, who they bought from Porto at the beginning of the season, is a Brazilian who is infinitely happier to be playing at centre-half than his occasional stints at, at full-back. I cannot see Marcelo in any shape or form being uh, ready for this tie. But in fact, potentially, he won't make it back if there, if there should be further Champions League games for Real Madrid. And I think that's something of a plus in that he's a fantastic, creative, anarchic footballer, uh, Marcelo, but he plays wildly out of position. Mondi has become, in my opinion, the number one left-back. Mondi's connection with Vinicius, if Vinicius is playing on the left, is really, really strong. And I think that we've got a tie that's worth watching next week. It's having concentrated so hard on La Liga during the restart. I didn't see as much of City as I would have wanted to. I did watch them, and they, when they're on form, when everybody is fit, when they're playing a side that can't cope with their their speed of football, their movement, they can still be rampant. And if you look at the number of goals they scored um, this season compared to Real Madrid, they, City outstripped them dramatically, even with Kun Aguero out. If you look at Real Madrid, then broadly they've got the better defensive record. Um, City have lost far more games domestically um, than Real Madrid have. If you were saying, if this had been a 0-0 or a 1-1 from the first leg, I might be tipping Real Madrid. Might be. <laughs> but what we'll get, I think, is a, a Real Madrid side which had not got the Champions League as the top priority, which had brought to life the idea that, you know, Martin went, and I don't know how much you believe in, you know, when you hear about sports psychologists and sports scientists talking about visualisation and thinking your way to success, I think that's what we saw with Real Madrid this season. At the beginning of the term, everybody was of one voice, that winning the league is the priority. And I think that because of that, gradually, what we saw was them making decisions about where their best resources went. I mean, micro decisions. And the fact that they struggled so hard, both home and away against Bruges. In the, in the group stage, they weren't ready for Paris Saint-Germain in the French capital, not close to it. They should have closed out the game at 2-0 against Paris Saint-Germain when they played brilliantly, really brilliantly at home, but they didn't. They drew 2-2. Hence, they, they didn't top the group. They, you know, they, they got this draw in, in the next round against City. 
all of these things contrast to the way in which in, in La Liga, even after they, they'd suffered setbacks, they were remorseless in their will to win and their belief that they could win. And, and therefore, what we've got now in, in a really short space of time with um, one game where they drew against Leganes, having already been made champions and been out on the, on the lash a little bit, and then the eight-day holiday, they've got a short period of time. And, and I mention Hazard because they, they want this. And, and, and Hazard was talking about the fact that Zidane has said to them, if we get through against City, we'll play three finals and we're brilliant at Champions League finals because the games are one off in the quarter, the semi and the final, all based in Lisbon. The, the route forward, you know, is, is deeply interesting should they achieve it. And therefore, all I'm saying is that in, in terms of that winner mentality, there's a minor thing that, that Madrid have got now, which they didn't have in February and wouldn't have had if the tie was played as normal in March, the second tie, pardon me. And, and therefore, uh, uh, City have to be favourites with their ability, with the depth of squad, with Guardiola's sensational ability to unpick another team and the result they got from the first leg. But I, I don't consider the game over and I do think that for those who are in any doubt, it, it's a tie worth watching. It's interesting you mentioned Aiden Hazard and the, you know he's had a strange old debut season. I wonder how well placed he is to make some kind of contribution in this second leg. But also I wonder if they need him to as well because one of the stats that jumped out for me was I think in the last 20 years only three sides have won La Liga with less goals which would be I think it's Deportivo in 2000, Valencia 2002 and maybe Capello's side in 2007. So um, can he have an influence on this tie and does he need to? I think think that he might make it. I mean, our conversation yesterday was more about favourites of his, favourite matches, favourite goals, favourite teammates, and uh, giving inside information about whether he's going to be fit for a week this weekend wasn't really part of the, the, the deal. But he was there thereabouts um, towards the end of the season. And, and I'd pinpoint, you know, I think a way to answer your question, if anybody who's listening saw the Real Madrid-Valencia game, which in all honesty was, I mean, easily that's one of my top two or three matches of this season. In fact, for the last couple of seasons, it was a quality of, of such awesome strategic, technical, athletic, tactical value. It, it was just a wonderful, wonderful game where Valencia could easily have been up by one or two, or even maybe let's call it by 2-1 um, as we were approaching halftime. Rumored change their speed of thought, their their speed of use of the ball in the second half, run away with it, scoring two absolutely utterly sensational goals. As good as good goals as good. Each of the goals scored that day. I watched match of the day the other night. Each of the goals scored that day would be easily top two or three, maybe the winner um, against all the match of the day candidates from the Premier League. I'm talking about the Benzema goal assisted by Asensio and I'm talking about the Asensio goal assisted by Mondi. But the reason I focus on this is that the opening goal, the goal that split the sides, um, and, and this to me was the, the title-defining match um, because it was when uh, Real Madrid were playing well and yet came closest to being beaten, even though the final score is 3-0. Hazard playing centrally 
and having dropped for the ball, not only open space in, in the area where he did best tactically and strategically for Chelsea and, and often for Belgium, which is either coming in off the left and then scoring or creating off his right foot or, or playing centrally and being allowed to be that shuttle player between the position number 10 and the position number 4. And in this game, he was allowed that by Zidane and he holds off, I think, Guillemot, the, 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 the central defender for Valencia, I'm pretty sure it was him, in a challenge on the edge of the box to, to lean into him and to slip the ball to Azad's left into Benzema's path for the opening goal. Now, that was a position that he, he wasn't able to take, wasn't allowed to take for the predominant part of the season before that night. It was a challenge that he would have either been not necessarily quick enough to or strong enough to win in, in the earlier part of the season when he'd been dogged by bad injuries and, 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 and constantly been seeking a symphony of mental, physical and sporting well-being. And he did that night. So that the partnership with Benzema, I get, well, one of the things I said to him was, listen, to Azad, you said that recently in an interview that this has been maybe your worst ever season. And he meant because of that, because he's happy and enjoying himself and he's integrated. It's been about arriving overweight, getting injured, struggling to get into the team, not being fit for the early part of the season, beginning to hit full ramming speed, being stamped on by Munier in the in the Paris Saint-Germain game, which was 2-2 at Bernabeu. A couple of games later, playing on through the pain, finding that's the wrong thing to do. Ankle operation, ankle injury, ankle pain when he comes back, starting to um, hit something approaching ramming speed and then needing to be rested again. So he, he's in this stage now where I, I'd imagine that unless there has been some sort of a physical setback, he's going to be in good enough condition to be important. And the partnership with Benzema is gorgeous. So when we talked about I said to him, you two could be playing Ballon d'Or football. This could be your best ever season next season. He said, I know, that's what I think. Now, that's next season, not next weekend. So does he turn the tie? Does he win the tie on his own? I don't think that's the, 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 the football state he's in yet. But the crucial thing to answer your question then is, if Hazard plays, does Zidane do the standard thing he's been doing of 4-3-3 with Hazard on the left, Benzema in the middle, three of the four midfielders, which generally are Cruz, Modric, Casemiro and Valverde, and generally it's Valverde in a three-man midfield, generally, who's dropped for big games, and then a, a, a wide right player, which Isco is, is often the guy he's touched on, but Rodrigo played a lot in that wide right position towards the end of the season. If he chooses that, then I'll be a little bit disappointed. The, the, the formation that I'd like to see to make the game as interesting and potentially as dramatic as possible from a Spanish point of view would be a 4-2-3-1 formation with probably Casemiro plus one in the, in the holding midfield with Vinicius on the left, Hazard in the middle, probably Modric on the right. So it's, it's probably Cruz and Casemiro or Casemiro and Valverde. Modric's playing nominally wide right, not like a winger because that's Carl Hal's role, but Modric in that front three behind Benzema. Because the idea of having uh, Mondi and Vinicius down the left, Hazard in his central position, Modric coming in and basically doing what he wants because that is what he's been doing all season and this has been a diamond season from Modric who turns 35 in September with Carvajal overlapping on the right. There'll be tons of space for City. Pep won't 
wet as knickers if that's the, the formation. But that's the formation that I think offers Real Madrid the most dynamic flexibility to be able to organise, win the ball up, win the ball back high and hurt City on the break. So let's wait and see. But you talked about Hazard and the point is, even if this has been a, a season where the stats won't say pretty things, he's champion, he's had a role in that and his enjoyment of where he's at, his inspiration at playing for the guy who's always been his idol, Zidane, is such that I think he's going to be important against City, but vastly important for the coming 12 months. I mean, that's great to hear from a neutral point of view. I'm desperate to see Eden Hazard back in, in full swing. Um, I just want, um, just finally on, on Madrid, I saw a journalist tweeting about a recent Man United game. I think Man United had really dropped their levels um, towards the end of the game and they just couldn't get any momentum going. And, and the tweet said something like, you know, if, if this was in front of an Old Trafford crowd, they just would not allow the players to drop their levels in this way. Which is quite an interesting point. And I just wonder about this, you know, the, the the, the crowdless environments. I mean, how does it change the dynamic of these ties? And does the you know the prospect of a, a crowdless Etihad does that make it? Does that swing the balance ever so slightly towards Madrid? I think you could argue that really firmly in in the case of some ties, but I don't think anybody's ever said that the Etihad is a daunting place. I don't think that anybody would ever say that um, Real Madrid are a group of never mind historically because that's you know that's you, you don't take the build up of history into a game like this it's it's on you and your comrades and your coach and the the boys on the bench you know are they intimidated saying I don't want to come on into this atmosphere or if I do I'm scared to make a mistake now that, that's that's not uh, this group if you look at Courtois and Varane uh, what third place in a World Cup winner in a World Cup Carvajal deeply experienced a bag full of Champions League medals if you look at Cruz who, who you know Pep Guardiola would still sign for Manchester City today if you could take him Modric Ballon d'Or and World Cup final I, you know I, I, I could go on I, I don't think that, that this group of men um, nor the substitutes nor Zidane will be in any way thrown by any crowd anywhere and therefore going to a crowdless uh, Manchester City Stadium doesn't necessarily give them a big advantage what I, or, or even a slender one what I think honestly the reference point to answer your question is that the teams and they're few the teams who perform in training as if it were a match the teams who work so intensely brutally hard on you know the, the days of the week so that the weekend is easy they're the ones to whom it makes absolutely no significant difference that there are no crowds. Every athlete, male, female, any sport, loves to feed off the energy of a crowd, be it negative, positive, be it decibel level, whether it's intimidating, whether it's inspirational, whether they give you wings when you're tired. All these things, that, all these truisms, not cliches, that we could, that we could apply. But there are certain groups of athletes who work so brutally hard and carry a daily intensity in training ground situations where there's no crowd at all, where nobody applauds you for a goal, the, the people who berate you for a mistake, it's not the crowd, it's your teammates or your coach, where you, you, you live in a, 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 if I lose this training ground match, I'll feel it for as long as if I lost on an FA Cup final. Those groups of players are the ones to whom it makes no real significant difference that there aren't crowds. And I don't put 
Real Madrid in the category of some of the sides, say United in uh, in the absolute eye of the storm, the absolute fever pitch of the Ferguson regime, the Pep Guardiola era between 2008 and say 2011. Those we know. There was one Terry Butcher interview when he talked about the Rangers um, atmosphere under Sunas when it was England v Scotland on Friday. Um, we talked about we talked in certain instances about the olden days at Spurs where it was the Friday kick up and and you you took lumps out of one another. I, I'm not putting Real Madrid in that category, but I think that uh, I predicted at the beginning of the restart that playing at the Di Stefano training ground would be better for them than the Bernabeu, that they would settle into it perfectly, that it was an advantage. And I stick to that. I think that they're a group of players for whom the crowd means very little. And I think that if there's a slender advantage, which is what you were hinting at, it's not necessarily that there's that there's no crowd at City to, to, to bay City on to success and to sing Blue Moon. I, I think that the, the group of Madrid players is is perhaps a little bit more accustomed to situations like this and somehow finding a remedy. I still think that because of the scoreline and because of no Ramos and because of their quality City have to start as favourites but um, atmosphere or no atmosphere the the me v you the high noon Gary Cooper element of this where it's great player staring at great player and, and Real Madrid staring back at City and saying, we're in a little bit better nick now than we were back then. I, I think that's the, the fascinating element of this tie. <laughs>